word why. What a curious word. The kind of word that can make us cringe, feel defensive, or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. A key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. Well, I had a hunch, everyone, that uh, spending time with this next guest was going to be like we see him on TV. And I can already tell even just in the first minute of chatting off air that it's going to be like that. So it's, I think it's going to be incredibly enjoyable. <laughs> uh, we'll probably laugh a lot, talk about some deep things as well. But uh, I'm going to share his bio for those of you that have been living under a rock or your young child that is trying to study up on the NFL, uh, TV and brands uh, alike. But Terry Bradshaw is a four-time Super Bowl champion quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a two-time Super Bowl MVP. And if a Hall of Famer and a sports broadcasting Hall of Fame inductee, as well as a multi-Emmy award-winning broadcaster on Fox NFL Sunday. He's also a popular actor, New York Times bestselling author, gospel country singer, the star of his own stage production, The Terry Bradshaw Show, the star of his own reality show, The Bradshaw Bunch, and a motivational speaker. And now you're also in everything from the beverage industry to the food industry. Hey, Terry, so in 1984, was this the plan? Post play. Well, hey, hey, Rod. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, the plan? No, not really. I think it's a kind of the journey you're on or the evolution of your life. It, you know, you wake up one day and you're going this direction, and then things kind of get in the way on the trail, and you go, "Oh, this is interesting. Let me check this out." And you kind of venture off, and then you. Okay, let me get back on my, you know, journey here and go back to the main highway. And then you run into something. Oh, well, this looks interesting. Let me check this out. And that's kind of been my life. I've had opportunities to do so many um, different things. And curiosity kind of kills the cat. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I've killed a lot of curiosity. I've, uh, I've looked into a lot of things and, uh, experienced them and i think it's um it's good uh i've had the opportunity because of my success on the football field to get into areas that i'm really not qualified for but uh it's kind of like hmm uh you kind of face the anxiety you know you kind of face the and if you, you kind of face the uncertainty about yourself and rightfully so so you try something such as acting and you go Hmm, not very good. <laughs> okay, so you you know you go all right, fine, and uh, but it was fun trying it, you know. But I'm no actor, and then you know uh, the motivational speaking, which is really not motivational. I'm more of a humorist than that, and and I'm still doing that after 35 years. That I truly love because you've got a captive audience. Impact. And you got an hour to have fun and enlighten them on things in your life. And maybe they maybe they relate to some of them. Maybe they go, I don't know. I don't know about that. And it, it's just a real challenge to create thoughts standing up in front of crowds 
that makes sense and you can tie together with their companies and your life and and then have some fun doing it. Um, you know, it's this humility, like Terry, I think that people, I mean, you just shared this just now about sort of that, that human experience of anxiety of doing something that is outside of your comfort right. zone. I mean, you... Look, I you won, uh, I believe, your third Super Bowl the year that I was born in 76. And if we think about sort of the modern athlete, you have to be considered one of the first or one of the forefathers of the modern athlete in sharing sort of the, the real life sports. I mean, yeah, you won four Super Bowls, but there was a lot there, right? I mean, there was a lot of experience of, of human emotion, of trials and tribulations, and you never sugarcoated it. I mean, we saw it on the field. <laughs> we oh. saw it in the locker room after the game, these sorts of things. And I think that's what people connect with you. And so a question then is, in 84, right, prior to the season when you retired, was there a question of how will the American public view my next move? Because you had been so sort of out there on, on the stage and in a way that was different than maybe other professional athletes. Right. No, no. Perception was never a concern of mine. It wasn't. I can't control your perception. Uh, I live my life and, you know, albeit exciting and then sometimes sad and sometimes stupid and you just live it. And I'm, you know what, uh, Rod, I, I'm not one of those that tried to hide my life. I know a lot of people guard their life. I find there's a certain amount of release of uh, endorphins when, you, when you're real to people. And I like that. I like being, I like for people to see all of me. Uh, it frees me up. I don't have to, I'm doing this interview with you. I'm not going to be guarded. Uh, I don't want to be. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to do, hang up and go, all right, that's, that's the real guy as, as I'm going to do you. Uh, so that's the way I approach life. So when I retired, no, I never said, wonder what my perception is going to be. What's, you know, how's history going to view me? And I never cared about that because that's a chapter of your life. That's gone, gone. And I live, I live my life. Uh, that's, that was kind of a vein off of the artery. Uh, you always get back to the artery. And uh, that's what I did. Got back on the main highway, kept going forward and not doing this, not looking over my shoulder. What was I going to accomplish by looking over my shoulder? People put you in a position to constantly have to look over your shoulder. You just did it by asking me about my perception and after I retired. So I've got to stop my life right now and go, hmm. <laughs> I don't have one. I, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm moving on. I'm always moving on. I, I just, there's nothing good looking back other than I've garnered a bunch of uh, experiences, which has given me, you know, knowledge. I understand things a lot differently now than I did when I was 20, 21, 25, you know. And I've, so many things have happened since I retired in my life. I have to, I have to go through a whole bunch of stuff to get back to that <laughs> to question you just asked me. You know, you know, you know what I'm. Of course, yeah. you do. You're a doctor, so you know what I'm saying. Um, I just not. I'm just not good at worrying about yesterday. 
Does that mean that you're even more comfortable in your own skin? I mean, I think just the human experience is that we want that. We pursue that, right? Some of us feel like we get there and some of us feel like it's just going to take till the very end to kind of say, you know what? I I accept myself. I feel kind of good in who I am and even through all my fallibility, right? It's just you, you come to this acceptance. Yeah. You listen, if I stop you right there and I say, do I want to be respected like John Elway, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Dan Marino. Yes. Cause I put in a corner of half and defend it. I get angry and, and I, and I get pretty defensive. Uh, cause I don't take a back seat to anyone, um, as a player, but I feel like sometimes I'm put there and I'm forced to kind of fight for myself. Yeah. I don't like doing that. I don't like doing that. I don't, I don't like that, but so yeah, there, there is a part of me that if it could change it, Changes that perception. I would love to have done that. But once again, you're looking over your shoulder and what's the, what's the point? What's the value in that? How does exactly. that, how does that, how does that change Terry? Last year I was talk about a crazy experience. I was inside the octagon with Habib, the UFC right. hall of famer. And uh, who's described as terrifying and brilliant. You know, that's like being, you know, next to a defensive end or something like that. <laughs> who's coming after you. No. Um, he was really struggling with, the role competition played in his life, right? In the octagon and having that feeling and then being able to integrate that feeling into the business world and still finding value in himself. Does that, can you connect with that? Hang on, Rod. Shut up. Hey, baby, shut up. Sorry about that. They're my puppies, everything. Parenting is 24 seven, Terry. Yeah. Um, your question to me was about being in the octagon, whatever you call that thing. And, and the question again was what? Yeah. So he was struggling with the feeling that you have, what, let's say the field of play, right? right? That competition where you wonder, it's a language that you understand. You've grown up with it. Well, the rules may seem a little bit similar in sort of the rest of the world, but yet you, ha- you have to recalibrate. And you could see it in his face that he was still adjusting even after a couple of years to understand where his voice would have the most influence, the most power, the most value. And I'm wondering if that's something that has for most athletes that you have to either come to grips with, get different experiences that allow you to not be the quarterback in the room. Right. Right. I, I never had that. I, I, I never had that problem. Um, Probably like you, I can walk into a room now, maybe not right when I retired. I feel totally comfortable. If I'm in a room with a bunch of superstars and my career just ended and I'm trying to find, you know, what's the word, my identity in society, which I never had to do, but. I would feel totally comfortable in my skin because of my, of my accomplishments. Now I say my singularly realizing that it's ours because I did nothing. I I was a part of a team and I, I take pride in saying we did this, not I didn't because I couldn't have done it without them, you know? So I never struggled like that. I, once I walked out, I stepped right into television was I qualified to do television? No. Why? <laughs> I'm a football player. I, 
I don't know anything about TV and broadcasting. And so I got that opportunity because of my stardom, my celebrity status as a player. But I was terrible. I'm not going to lie to you. That was not an area of my life that I was very comfortable with or that I enjoyed, but I needed the money. I, we weren't making any money. We, we worked. Hang on, Rod. Yeah. Hang on, Rod. Hey. Hey. All right. Now. <laughs> you wanted to show the real Terry Bratch. I'm feeling it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, now I know why they're barking. Here's this dude, and I have no idea. He he might be a burglar outside my window. No. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Um, they're puppies. I never had to figure it out because I, I had nothing to figure out. I, yeah. I I stepped out of one one arena into another with no experience whatsoever, and but I and I I. I, I I wasn't comfortable doing it, and I did it for the wrong reasons. I did it for money. And um, how refreshing, though, to hear that. I mean, really, Terry, yeah. I mean, how many people, even today, even the current play, right? It, you know, I, I feel for them, but no one's just coming out saying, you know, I did that movie because I was in a, in a pinch and I needed it. Right. Or, you know, I've signed now because I. Well, I think it, that's the reality that kids need to hear, right? It's not all glamour. Sometimes there are some really tough decisions you got to make. Well, listen, I think most people, not most, I don't know what the percentage would be, but how many people have a job that they're making a nice living at and they're not going to leave it, but they don't like it? I bet a pretty they significant like They won't be honest. I say this all the time. I mean, you really love your jobs because if you don't really love your jobs, you're, 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 <laughs> you're climbing that ladder in the managerial uh, ladder is just pretty limited because you're not going to put everything into it. You just don't like it. It's just a means to an end provides a good living. It's, you know, it's kind of where you're stuck. Uh, I never understood why people retire at 61 years of age. I'm 74 and you know, I'm still yeah. rock and roll. And why yes, you you are. maybe they just don't like their jobs or like their life. I, I don't understand it, but I never, I never gave thought to after retirement, what am I going to do? Now that's Doesn't even totally a, not, the equation. That's totally not how you go about your life. Cause when you're a football player, you're going to retire most of the time in your thirties. Yeah. All right. I was 34. You're going to retire. And uh, what are you going to do after that? And, I figured I'd just be a cattleman. I'd make about 50 grand a year, totally happy. I own my land, I own the cattle, own the, you know, the, I had no overhead. It was just me. And uh, so I figured, okay, 50,000 a year. That's, that was my goal. That was my goal. That was your goal. That was my goal. Seriously, 50 grand. And back in the seventies, I just, 50,000 was a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. To me, to anybody. Yeah. Now it's 50 million, you know? Now, yeah, yeah, absolutely. At what point did you recognize, did you wake up in the morning and say, whether you like it or not, right? It, I don't get that this was your goal at all, that you became a brand. Because we do live in an era now where, I mean, I have an eight and 10 year old. They know what brand means. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd asked me in 1984 what brand oh. meant, I would have had no idea. I didn't even know the term entrepreneur. I don't right. think most people did. Right. Right. I never thought about brand. I don't even think about it now. I don't, 
Well, you are a brand. I hate. To, I'm, I know this is breaking news, you know Terry. But <laughs> I may be a brand, but uh, I'm just name recognition. You know, um, uncomfortable. I mean, I can see it sort of in your face. I mean, it's. Yeah, I just don't feel as though. Uh, that's just a new whole. That's a. That's a. You know. Is that a a millennial word? Oh. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so I I just don't think of it as I don't think like that as a brand. If I were a brand and everything I would have touched probably maybe. Well, that's not true. That wouldn't be the definition. I was fixing to say that everything would be successful. I've touched into 20, 25 ventures, you know. Maybe three of them have turned out to be consistently successful. I stepped into the bourbon business. It grosses money. Cash flow is good, uh, but I haven't made one penny. Not one penny. Is that a successful brand? It's growing. It's building. And um, you're not going to believe this, Rod. Now this guy's got a blower coming by the window. <laughs> Don't they know that I'm on the phone with <laughs> world's most run let's get this this he's blowing grass or whatever you can't uh, you can't make it up <laughs> no respect for my brand that's for sure i just think of i said it earlier in the interview that i just think that my name gives me opportunities and is that a is that a brand i i don't really know what a brand i know like uh uh Michael Jordan is a brand. He's Jordan Shoes Golf Course in Florida. Owns uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, not you know Nike and and all the other, and just makes you know he's a billionaire. I would think now there there's a brand because everything I just listed is has success written all over it. If you think of other people, uh, LeBron James, that's a brand. That's like, everything they touch is is mega money and those um, are the things we see in public terry like to but, your point you've well, had 20 true. or 25 no, right that's true that's true we may not know all the ones that didn't make it or that's true no you're exactly right and i i um i just see them as just being international yeah superstars uh so therefore i don't i don't feel as though there's any failure there probably is you know what's maybe, your, what's Terry, what's your relationship with the word no? Because you are a very <laughs> affable guy. <laughs> My relationship with the word no is not very good. <laughs> it's not. Um, uh, my Does that wife, mean you get, do you get burned? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trusting Ab too trusting? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I am extremely trustworthy. I get excited about opportunities. Um. I'll give you an example of that. Um, I had at one time, I owned three private jets. And what I was doing was buying various light jets, medium jets, you know, and I would fly them and flip them. Okay. And make money. And pandemic hit and I had three jets, but that's when, aviation exploded. So I made a ton of money selling jets. So 
the jets are gone, the pandemic's over. I get I get a bat, uh, about of two cancers, and I have to travel to do two two states for treatment, and I have to fly commercial because I sold all my. <laughs> Now I'm sitting there going in the pandemic now. So everybody, my outside, my outside interest in the burgers that we were selling and the bourbon, uh, even Fox, I took a, uh, we all had to take a, yeah. um, a cut in salary. And so I'm sitting there and I'm going, I can't continue to do this, you know, without a plane because I traveled so many places. I just can't get there commercially. Um, and my wife said, no, we can't afford it. No. <laughs> and I know this, I know people see this, read about this, will think, well, you poor, spoiled thing. But like I said, it was a business yeah. that I'd gotten into that I'd gotten very good at. And uh, that's my current no. And I'm having a hard time with that because it's three hours from here to the airport and wherever we're going and we get back and many a times we've left on a Monday to leave on a Tuesday to get back on a Thursday for one deal. And that is, that is hard on me, you know, it's hard on my body. So I think it speaks to people, things being relative. I mean, I get your point and I appreciate you saying to people, look, no one's going to cry for me that I'm, you know, No. Talking about, but it is all relative. We're humans. And once we've achieved something, there's nothing wrong with then saying, you know, it's pretty tough to go back. Yeah, uh, it just is. But what's fascinating about that is that this sort of dovetails into this concept around being an entrepreneur. And and let's take sort of the the brand, <laughs> which yeah, makes I, you squeamish, I, okay. but just in general, entrepreneurs, right? And there's this, I have this thought, Terry, that you and I, you know, we've got kids, we're at the bus stop, right? And I say, and you say, what's up, Rod? And I say, you know, I'm, gonna st- I'm starting this business. You know what? That's on a Monday. On Tuesday, Wednesday, I see you. You're going to just naturally say, hey, so how is the business going? How's it going? It's like returning a rental car. You can't back up. This pressure to feel like you have to produce something publicly that makes you look like you're making progress can almost impede the typical entrepreneur from actually yeah. achieving something because they're so in fear that my buddy Terry down the street is going to think that I'm not achieving what I'm supposed to be achieving. It's why people put a weight loss plan on Facebook the start of the year, like hold me accountable, right? Tell me a little bit about how you think about as as a peer, as an entrepreneur, as someone who is in these different businesses now, and you want to have more successes than than failures because you want to be able to fly that jet if that's the case, because you've earned it and you've worked really (laughs) damn hard at it. Headroom is produced by Old Soul a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy, Matt, at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. I have to tell you quickly a funny story. So I'm in New York City with Jimmy Johnson, Coach Johnson. He flies, uh, he, he leaves the Keys, gets to the Miami airport, flies across the country, leaves at 5 a.m. Monday morning, flies back, drives back down to the Keys, gets in around 3 in the afternoon. He's totally exhausted. We all say, Jimmy, with the kind of money you got, 
by plane. And he says he can't. He's frugal. He can't. He'll gamble. He'll do blackjack for for twenty five thousand a chip. But he's not about to waste that money. No airplane. Airplane. So finally, after about two years of him complaining and us telling him to get a plane, he he bought a plane. And that we were in New York, and the plane was at Teterboro. Okay. Okay. He gets out there. We're still in 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 New York. The rest of us with Fox. He gets out there and he stands on the steps and he raises his hands and he says, "No more flying commercials. <laughs> Look, I got my own Hawker 800 XP. Yay me!" So we are not thinking any other direction other than wow i'm so glad <laughs> bought a plane which means he'll stay longer with fox you know because now it's going to make his life easier guy tweets out hey jimmy fantastic i am so proud of you he says as a matter of fact i travel a lot myself and i too thought about buying a hawker 800 xp but instead i bought a yellow sweater <laughs> I thought that's just how the thought that that's the funniest thing I've ever heard of. And it totally shot him, totally shot him down and made him realize, yeah, there's a lot of people that aren't this fortunate. I get it. I get it. So I think your perception of starting a company and wanting to be successful in Terry Bradshaw's eyes, um, I'm going to know, Rod if you're successful, because I know you, you know, we're friends. I'm going to know if you're blowing smoke. Yeah. Uh, because probably number one, you don't know anything about that business you're getting into. So you're going to have to surround yourself with people that do that can help guide you. And you're going to, they're going to use your money and your name. I've been there. Um, I, don't want anybody to know that I'm not successful. That's how my. Do you, how do you avoid? That's my it? ego. No, no, that's, that's my your ego. ego. But when people ask me about, well, you've been in the horse business 43 years and lost 25 million dollars. I had made a penny, and I lost a ton of money. But I, it's been a cash cow too, and so I've kind of look at the cash cow and the loss and. I always have a horse sale to catch up on my losses, try to balance the sheet out so that I'm not illegal with the government. And uh, I've, I know, it, I know the business so well now, you know, I've tailored everything I do, um, my money to the horses and, and other, and other ventures I've loaned my name to it. And haven't been successful. No one has asked me. You're the first person that basically, you know, kind of brought it to light. But I've failed at so many things. Um, does it cause? People, does it create hey, Rod, a spark? How many, how many people do you know that go to Vegas a lot? Have they ever told you when you ask them, "Hey, how'd you do?" <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I come home with a you know a couple of beans. How many? How'd you do? I came home with a couple of beans. Hey, so how'd you do? I came home with a couple of beans. They never lose. And never. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, how do they build these monstrous hotels 
and you always taking money out of their casinos. Or how many times do you hear people say, well, I brought $500 and that's all I'm going to lose. And there are 20,000 people going to Vegas this weekend saying, well, I got $500 and that's all I'm going to lose. What does that tell you? They're going to lose $500. <laughs> They're not going to leave without till they have used up their $500. And I don't, I don't have a problem admitting failure. Um, but your question is really good. I don't talk about it either. Nobody does. That's why we don't know. Nobody goes on there. Well, I went into the bourbon business and I lost $5 million. And I lost my rear and I, <laughs> I lost my ass. And man, <laughs> so I decided I'd go into a, uh, clothing. I tried to go into clothing. I put two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, true story, uh, of my money into the clothing line. I hadn't made a T-shirt yet. I've lost my ass. Okay. Well, you can tell your there buddy Strahan. I have spent some money on his clothes. He's got some great stuff. So you let him yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. See, there, there's a guy you did, but, but our perception is it's like always successful. So I. How done, do you learn then? How do you learn from it then, Terry? Because look. Not, look, we're both males, right? So classically, we don't talk to the doctors, we don't go, we don't want it, right? So how do you kind of learn? I mean, not to go back to the football, but at some point, you kind of have to learn, I would think from the losses, so that you don't make the same mistake. It's like when you guys right. are analyzing at halftime, it's, you know, the right. perplex you have this look on your face sometimes, like, why are we still making the same mistake? Like this quarterback's making the same damn mistake. Right. So if you don't think about those failures, how do you in the sort of the... <laughs> the well, real world, apply those burns that you've experienced. Okay. So here's what I'm good at. After um, 50, 50 years since the retirement, I now know what I'm good at. I'm good at television and I'm good at speaking. Okay. That's where I'm good. That's where I excel and I know it. And I'm good at it. Okay. Not, I'm not bragging. I'm confident. I'm good at it. Everything else. I know the horse business inside now, but it's like a drug. I love it. My kids love it. My wife loves it. And it's not a moneymaker at all, at all. But I stay in it. Now, some would say, well, that's stupid. Well, I'm not hurting anybody. You know, I'm I'm not hurting anybody. We all are enjoying it. They're, the clothing thing is a failure. That's okay. You know, that's all right. Uh, uh, there's, man, things that I've tried to do. The burger business that I'm in right now, I mean, we're in 8,500 stores. This quarter, I might make you know, two or $3,000 profit. My, my bourbon, no, not a penny. My son-in-law's made more money in the bourbon business than I have, and he works for me. So those are two big ventures that I haven't made uh, any money. While everybody says, whoa, oh, you got a bourbon company. You got to yeah, look at the brand. Look at the brand, terrybradshawbrands.com, the whole thing. Yeah. Um. I only own 10% of the bourbon, 25% uh, of the burgers. Uh, I got people 
that I don't even know who they are making more money in the bourbon have a bigger piece of the pie than I do. Yeah, I need to share. I own 11%, Terry. This is my way of introducing myself. I like that. So <laughs> if, if I, if I, nobody wants to, uh, nobody wants to spill their, their guts on their business ventures and how they fail, but hey, listen, learn from me. I am good at two things. I'm real good at it. And I love I love those two jobs. Now, the, the broadcasting will come to an end because they got to always keep a young guy. And I'm the oldest guy on the set now, so you got to figure out I'm next. Jimmy is probably going to retire this year or next year for sure. Um, so you kind of look at that. But speaking, I can always do. I can always speak, you know. Are you, are you, I don't know if worried is the right word. Are, are you reticent about the days when you're not on set? Yeah. Yes. 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 I, yes. Billy Graham said that the minute you retire is the day you start dying. I've never forgotten that. Yeah. Though I do, I do think about that more than I want to, more than I want to, because you know what they're thinking, you know, they're watching me. Am I slipping up? Am I doing this or doing that? Then I got sick this year. And so you, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm fearful of that, of that, not fearful. I'm aware that that's coming and I don't like it. Does it impact the joy on game day for you at all? Even no, no. No, no. As a matter of fact, it kind of oh, that the competitiveness in you, right? That gets me. Oh man, when I, I love that show, I love doing that show. You know, that's I can't wait to get there, and I hate when I have to leave and come home. I do. I love that show that much. I, I had the. It was very. It was quite an experience. My ten year old even got to meet him. But Charles Barkley last year yeah. before he signed his deal, you know he. He can get it in, into any business he wants now. Um, but, you know, he, he was talking about that, contemplating sort of when his voice might not have as much value right. to the viewer or what you're contributing, you know? How do you, I've always thought this is fascinating. Maybe this is just because what I do. But when you're sitting there and you're a part of a team, like Fox NFL Sunday, it's, uh, it's almost like synchronized swimming or jazz or something like that, where in that moment, you have to read. You're either getting a jab at you, right? Stray hands either jabbing you or something's going right. on. Right. Or you got to talk about something serious like head injuries or something like that. Right. Is that the in-game kind of a thing that really gets your brain going that is exciting? No, that's not exciting. I don't like to talk serious on television. You don't? No. I don't like to take on race related topics, um, medical topics. I was, I tried to tell Fox uh, when um, the young quarterback for uh, the 49ers injured Purdy. his elbow, yeah. Purdy, yeah, Brock Purdy. I said, Hey, he's, he's torn his ulnolateral ligament, which is what caused me to miss my career into my career, he'll probably have to have a Tommy John surgery, and that's a year. Now there's, well, he waited, what, two months before he had the oh, yeah. surgery. I don't see how in the world he's going to be back by training camp unless the techniques have changed so much. But 
I could not say that on the air because they didn't want me to because I it wasn't it, the when it comes to medicine and a player's career they want we we have to confirm it. Well, who I the thing about that that comment was that's me. That's me. You got a guy here that had that rare of rarest of rare injuries for quarterbacks, unheard of. And I couldn't say anything about it. And so that's fine. But I normally, normally, Fox knows that I'm I don't like talking the heavy topics. That's for that's for um, Howie and uh, Kurt Menefee and Michael Ajumpian on race topics. I try to stay out of those because I'm not comfortable in those. I'm not comfortable with certain topics. It feels like you have a comfort level with authenticity that uh, I would say not maybe not a majority, but a significant portion of people struggle with in their adult lives is that authentic voice, you know, that can be represented in any domain of their life, the soccer field with their kids, PTA meetings in the boardroom. Um, a lot of times that happens maybe with age because we just don't give a rip anymore. <laughs> right. But it seems like you've used that to your advantage, right? And that's kind of what pulls people in. It's like a secret sauce a little bit, right? Like if you can do it, I feel closer to you because you're allowing the space in the room to sort of be free. Yeah, you have, um, you have to understand, I just told you a little bit, I, I guess you're referencing, when you say my voice, um, I'm the guy that brings the, the um, I kind of take the energy, I kind of take the anxiety and the tension down with uh, humor or having fun. I listen to these guys and I am the co-host, so I listen. So I can, when they say something, like um, when one show, Howie was talking about three technique. Okay. <laughs> so he got through and I said, well, why don't you tell the people what a three technique <laughs> is? Because you have to be careful. You can talk over everybody's head and you're only talking to the professional athletes or the football players out there. That's. That's not who we talk to. We talk to the shout out. Sorry about that. Now That's the macaws right. are waking up. This oh, is just, the macaw. I got two of these loud. The now. zoo. I feel like I'm on the Bradshaw yeah, bunch here. So um, yeah. But hasn't it changed though? How, like, how has that impacted your work on the show? Because we've got obviously Tony Romo. I interviewed Greg Olson a couple of weeks ago, right? There's an authenticity about him that I think people can relate to. They sense like he's a dad. There's just something that transcends with people, him. Rod, what what it is, is that if you're real with the viewer, the camera doesn't lie. I've told my wife this when we were filming the Bradshaw Dutch. If you're not if you're not happy with this show we're doing, the camera catches it. The camera catches it. Uh, we we have to be honest with the viewer. Okay. You're going to upset some of them because you don't agree with their team and their and what they're doing. You're going to upset them, but that's okay. If you are honest with the viewer, he'll they'll appreciate you being honest and real as opposed to BS, you know. And when you're honest with them, 
You win them over. Hey, Terry, I had, I had, I, I hear it all the time. Hey, man, I appreciate you. You at least you'll tell it, tell it like it is. You know, we like your, we like your, your, you being honest with us and real with us. But I've always told everybody when you're talking to that camera and you're talking to millions of people out there that have worked hard all week, who are home waiting on their favorite team, and you're setting the table before the game, said, and you're going to upset some if you if you don't agree with the way they think and. But if if you're honest with them, they respect you for it, and and they like you. But they know when you're BSing them. They know when you're like, oh, please shut up. You yeah, know? you're doing it for an ulterior motive. Yeah, exactly. Terry, exactly. let's let's wrap with this. What what advice? This sounds very cliche, but I do think people would find it fascinating uh, because you you said something that I thought will definitely sit with me post interview. You talked about like in essence these new ventures that you have, you're not just sitting here cashing checks like these spoof commercials where you're like sitting with a crown on your head, you know, <laughs> doing the Johnny Manziel, right? You're not doing any of that. No. Um, so it makes me think about the way in which we, we think about success, right? I'm in my mid forties and yet I feel out of touch when I see younger people and they are equating, I come to Miami for some interviews uh, late last year and I met all these young entrepreneurs, Terry. You know what their goal was? Did they have a McLaren in the driveway? Like, and I just went, this is a different generation. Like, what are we, how are we evaluating success? Because I'm talking to you and you're saying, I've made a lot of money in horses and I've lost a lot of money, but you know what? It right. cash flowed a lifestyle that brought love and community for my family, my girls, right? My, that's a very different mindset than what we're talking about. And yet- right. I speak at local schools with high schoolers that are in entrepreneurial programs and they're wanting to kind of understand how do you navigate this world? Cause there's not really one blueprint, but that's right. the world they're growing up in. They're not going to nine to fives anymore. No, no. the thing is too, they, they don't know what it is to open up the back door and go out and sit under a tree or go out and play croquet or, you know, do things in the yard or the neighborhood. They're all on their cell phones. Every, I mean, kids, five, six-year-old going through an airport now and the parents give them these cell phones and download all this stuff. So they'll sit there and without talking and they'll behave themselves and they don't know how, to, they don't know how to communicate. They don't have a, a clue how to sit and listen and have a discussion with adults, which you do start that at an early age. I used to sit around the table behind my parents, behind them, of course, and listen to them, have these conversations. And I was fascinated by listening to adults talk about things. Obviously, I had no clue what they were talking about. But I just, first of all, I was involved with the family. And second of all, I'm fascinated by all these family members talking, our neighbors. And they're talking about a subject that possibly I knew something about. Young, young people, I would always say this. You heard me touch on it earlier. The Bible says that we're to sit and listen, be still. And when you're reaching and searching for something in your life, you have to have quality, quiet time. You have to get off with your thoughts, with your, uh, with, with an understanding of where am I going with my life? You don't have to be a college graduate or someone in college or going to college and say, well, I'm going to take general studies and try to figure it out. 
Sorry about it. Hey, that's my kids. Hey, can you not tell Dr. Rod's on the phone? You shut up. <laughs> the male and a female. And they <laughs> that they're playing. They're not fighting. They're playing. I'm sorry, Rod. You're fine. But they you have to. <laughs> I bet you've never had macaws on your show before. Anyway, you have to you have to sit and get quiet and search yourself, figure it out. What touches me? What inspires me? What gets me out of bed every day? Where I, I wrote this down earlier. I was doing a, a study uh, this morning. Be careful how you think your life is shaped. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by what you think. And I wrote that down, um, not for this, but I just, I saw it uh, as a scripture and it was in Proverbs 4.23, if you want to look it up. And I thought, oh, that's good. Because what do you think about mostly? What do you think about mostly? You know what I've been thinking about? Buying a plane. I've been consumed with getting on the internet and calling on my broker firm for the last for the last three months trying to figure out a deal. Hadn't hadn't found one. You know, hadn't found one. I hadn't thought about buying a horse, which Tammy and I used to buy horses all the time. We hadn't bought a horse now since the sale in August, which is unheard of. So we got control of that. But now think about that. Whatever you're consumed with in your mind, tell me that is now today. Maybe, maybe it was you and I. You know, I read up, I read about you, and I thought about you, and impressed with all your interviews and everything. I said, "This is a smart boy right here. This will be interesting." And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm giving the thoughts about where we're going to go, what we're going to talk about, how am I going to do? Am I going to like you? Are you going to like me? So I'm. That's my thought. You're present. Yes. I'm going to get off of this with you and Tammy and I are going to go drive and look at buying a mini home for some workers. So I'm, I'm thought about that. So what do I do in my quiet time? When I wanted, when I knew I wanted to play football as a young man, I was consumed with playing football. So therefore I was consumed with every aspect of playing football. And I knew I wanted to be a quarterback. So learning how to pass and do all of that, I was consumed with it my entire young adolescent life. When, once I got into the NFL, I was consumed with getting to the playoff game. It's all I could think about, get to a playoff game. That's where, you, that's where it's happening. That's where it is. And it took us, uh, what, take three years to get to a playoff game. And I'm just like, wow, it's everything I thought it would be. It was everything I thought it would be. Now, when you're thinking about something all the time, and you and you actually uh, are to experience that thought, and you go, "Oh my God, it's just, it's better than I thought it would be." Then you knew. Then you you know you're on the right track. And then you say, "Well, I want to get to a Super Bowl." God, there's no way I'm going to get to a Super Bowl. That is just unheard of. You get to a Super Bowl and you go. It's everything I thought it would be. Uh-oh. What if we lose? Don't want to lose. Can't live with that. Couldn't bear the thought of losing a Super Bowl. The ultimate. That, no. 
So we won all four we went into, but they were everything I thought they would be. And that's when you go, man, this is great. Now, of all the things I've done in my life, when, not, when 1984 came around, that ended, gosh, it was everything I thought it would be. Now I'm just owning a horse, no big deal. Buying a great stud, no big deal. You know, uh, owning a plane, buying, getting in the aviation business was probably the most exciting thing I've done. Um, getting ready to, to, to build my wife's dream house. Uh, that's going to be everything it's supposed to be. So if we can find times in our life when we sit down and are consumed in our daily thoughts and we accomplish what we're doing in our minds, when I get through with this, I'm going to close the computer and I'm going to say, Dr. Rod, that was a, that was that was not everything. I hoped it was everything. Not, it, it was it's something I didn't know how it was going to be, but it ended up being everything I hoped it would be. And that's refreshing. That's that's invigorating. What a great moment. You know, what a great moment. So we can have a lot of great moments during the day. But when it comes to career, be still, give some thought, give some prayer. You know, what is it to get you out of bed? What is that jacks you up? What is that make your blood pressure up? What is it? Find out what it is. And, and don't put a dollar sign on it. Don't say, oh, if I can make $500,000. No, no, no. Like I did. I'm, if I can make $50,000 a year after I retire. <laughs> You know, <laughs> big that's man on good, campus. That's a good deal. So that that's kind of the way I look at it. If I accomplish something and I go, then you know, I bought a horse called Very Cool, paid a lot of money for him. Didn't do it for me. You know why? Somebody else, somebody else raised him, somebody else got him to the show, shows somebody else made a world champion out of him, somebody else. And I bought all of his dreams and with money. So didn't do it for me. Good for the business, but it was money that I bought his dream. Yeah. Not good for not good for the dream. spirit. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I think day-to-day -day goes and certainly the way a life goes. Because people waste their lives. They waste and then a lot of people get there and they commit suicide after they become successful because they can't deal with it. Well, they, they fear the second act. They, crazy they, to me. Right? they, they fear right? that failure of the second act. Like they have to go bigger and better. Oh man, that's a good point. Cause do I want to go bankrupt in the papers tomorrow? No. <laughs> oh, how humiliating. I mean, wow. So I, have I ever thought about that? Yeah, I've thought of it. Who hasn't? I, yeah, you go, oh, no, 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 get that out, you know. You ever tried to shake some? You know, I, I had a dream this morning, which is, and my wife's good at analyzing dreams. I said, babe, you're not going to believe this. I bought a one-ton Ford pickup truck to pull our eight-horse stud uh, show trailer with, okay? And I said, and it was the, it was the thing that woke me up. And so I've been talking about, you know, I got to get back to working out. I don't, I don't quite have the energy that I once had. So, da, 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 da. so I'm, I'm sure that had something to do with it. But when I bought the one-ton Ford truck, turbo diesel, 
with the eight horse trailer. You know what kind of, did I put automatic in it? No. Did I put five on the floor? No. I put bicycle pedals. <laughs> bicycle pedals. I'm... <laughs> We call this segment Pillow Talk with Terry oh Bradshaw. Oh, my God. I tell her. And I tell her. I went down a hill, and I'm trying to stop the trailer with the truck, but it's it's inside the trucker's pedals, and I'm pedaling to get in shape. And I remember how I went, wow. And I woke up, and what in the world does that mean? You know? So I don't you know. You know what it means, Terry? It means the internal flame is still white hot. And yeah. uh, you are authentic as all get out. And I, look, whether it's an entrepreneur or it's a young athlete or just a mom or a dad listening to this or reading the eventual article, I, it's inspiring. I think we need more reality in our world in that in that manner. Right. We need authenticity. We need real. Hey, listen, we need real. We need real. We need. We do. Like young people need to know that. Hey, listen, Sam Walton, what, he, he didn't have a high school diploma, did he? Some of the greatest minds in this world never got out. Some of the richest people in the world were creators with a simple thought. And I'm sure they sat down and they were like, you know, it was a simple thought. I just want to have a store, but I want to help people. I want to, I want to, I want to make my 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 produce and everything cheaper so the poor people can come in and afford this stuff. And next thing you know, you got two stores and three. And it's it's just it, it was a it was just a, a thought. It was an idea. And he acted on it. I love acting on things. I, I just feel like, I think in our life, some of the things that really get us going, it's scary. I like to be scared. Is I'm going to leap of faith there, Jack. You know? I'm some, gonna, might, some might call that living. Yeah, I'm going right? to do this. And you go... I you know, gotta take care of me. And then then I, we were having this talk yesterday. I told Tammy, well, we're good. She's real strong in her faith. And she's going, Yeah, we just gotta believe that, that it's gonna work out. It may be five years, six years, it's gonna work out, it's gonna be fine. And I'm going, Yeah, it's kind of scary. And we do things and we just go, <laughs> but it kind of it keeps you going. You're exactly right. You 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 put a lot of effort into making sure it. It happens. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been, you, you do what you hope, which is you, you make people feel like they've known you for years and it, there's no, um, there's no one-upsmanship. And I just think that that is a, it's a, it's a testament to you. Barkley was the same way. And I think about you both as icons in that way. You just make people feel better about what's going on in the moments when they can spend with you, even if it's for a halftime or it's during a, a speech that you're giving. And so I, I don't know, I can't think of anybody that doesn't want you to succeed in anything that you want to include Thank you. finding that jet, Terry. Uh, yeah. So continue yeah, success. Hey, I'll tell you what, I'll get the jet and you go get the yellow sweater. There you go. There you go. Hey, we want to thank Terry Bradshaw, uh, four-time Super Bowl champion quarterback. You can check out terrybradshawbrands.com. I know I got to do that, Terry. Make sure people are, you know, drinking that, the, the bourbon and checking bourbon. out the burgers, checking out your show, your books, continued success. And I look forward to the next time chatting. Hope it's in person. Yeah. Thanks, Terry. Hey, this has been so much fun. We got to do it again. Okay. Seriously. Deal. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. 
I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom. <laughs> 